in a series called Nehemiah, and we're ending this uh, week, and you're wondering, what does Nehemiah have to do with the triumphal entry uh, of Jesus? Well, we're going to get to that. Um, but what we've been talking about in Nehemiah is this idea, and I, I told you from the very first week that if you don't get the concept of your circle of influence and your circle of concern, you're going to miss the whole uh, point of Nehemiah. And the, the point of your circle of influence and circle of concern comes from a verse uh, in the Bible. It's basically Jesus talking, and he says, uh, if you're faithful with little, you will be faithful with much. And oftentimes, we're concerned about much, but we're not even faithful with little. And so uh, a way to say it culturally is stay in your lane, um, uh, mind your own business, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to use. But the idea is that you get you fixed first before you fix uh, uh, the, uh, the climate change and um, immigration and politics and all, all these different things. As a matter of fact, I had mentioned uh, in the very first week, uh, one of in the circle of concern was school shootings, and lo and behold, there's a school shooting, and it goes exactly like I had said. Not that I'm a genius; it's just that it's easy because culture is all about outrage and all about everything else, and nothing ever changes. And so we spend all this time getting so concerned about all these events and all these things. And then a week later, we're not even talking about it. And families are ruined. And we get all upset. We got to take care of us. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on this morning. And then we'll see how it uh, enters into the triumphal entry. Because it's really, really awesome. So uh, Nehemiah. Just so we get caught up, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. For those of you who haven't listened for the last few weeks, he was a cupbearer to the king. He heard that Jerusalem was in ruins, and so it broke his heart. And so for months he prayed and he fasted, and his time came when he had to step out in faith, when he had to be courageous, that when his circle of concern came into his circle of influence, and he had to act, and he said to the king, Hey, Jerusalem's in ruins. I would like to go. And make some change. And so Artaxerxes, the king at the time, sent him off with a couple letters so he could travel in safety. And with a letter to um, uh, basically their version of Home Depot so he could get all the stuff that he needed to rebuild the temple. And he shows up and he begins to rebuild the temple. And it begins to work even amidst, uh, amidst the um, opposition of this guy Sanballat and Tobiah. And amidst the opposition of just hard work and organization and leadership and all the things we face in our lives when we're trying to raise kids or we're trying to be a good uncle, an aunt, a teacher, a boss, a worker, whatever it is, whatever you're building in your life, it is hard. Always. And so this is what Nehemiah has been up against. And now the walls are built and we focus on the gates. The gates are very important. As a matter of fact, I, don't, I didn't know if you could see this or not. Probably not. Uh, like I did with the last um, thing I did with the names of God. I'll, post, I'll have this posted online. But basically, there's all these different gates. The fish gate, okay? They have all these weird names. The old gate, Ephraim gate, corner gate, valley gate, dung gate. That's where Congress goes through. Um, <laughs> the, the king's gate, fountain gate, water gate. They were talking about it long before we were. Okay, so they got all, all these names, okay, right? Okay, just, just so we're clear, just full disclosure, I have been waiting all week to use that Dungate joke. Ah, oh, 
ah, it's finally off my shoulders. Now we can focus on the word of God. Okay, so these are, these are all the different gates. And in your life, you have all these different gates. Because what happens is in our, our I'm just going to talk to those of you who are spiritual, who have a relationship with God. And uh, for those of us who are Christians, who uh, are, are whole, we are followers of Jesus. We, we build up these walls, these boundaries, right, in our lives. And we do that through the word of God and through prayer, and through accountability and fellowship. All these things that we are talking about men's ministry. These are all the things that we want to accomplish in men's ministry is for lack of a better term just getting our stuff together right so we do that but we have these gates these these little spaces of comings and goings you might have a financial gate how much money you make how much money you spend how much money you save and those gates need to be healthy you have a relationship gate you have different relationships and those gates open and those gates close. You have a gate with your time, how you use your time and how you uh, make your time available and how you set boundaries in your time. You've got a career gate. You've got all these different gates, all these different things because you can't have a city with no gates, just walls. Some of us, some of us have closed all our gates and we've just made them walls. Our relationship gate, because of past trauma, because of past issues that we've had, we started mortaring that in. There's no gate anymore. It's just a wall. It's just diff When somebody wants to build a relationship with you, you do not open that gate because you're too scared. And maybe it's not even your fault. And maybe this happened when you were a little kid and you're like, you know what? People are not to be trusted. And so you walled up that gate and the Lord is beginning to chip away and go, you know what? There's a gate behind there and it needs to open and you need to make yourself vulnerable and there will be pain. And so the gates, the reason the gates close in a city or in your life is for protection. And so you might have a sexuality gate that in this particular time of your life, because you can't open that and be consistent with the word of God, those gates are closed. And then maybe at a future time in your life, you find your spouse or whatever, those gates are open and they're shut. But they're for our protection. Same with our finances, same with everything else. And we'll see, because I'm going to make this point in a little bit, you are your best worshiper. When your gates are strong and they're guarded. That's when you can worship the best. And we'll see that in a little bit. So Nehemiah has finished the wall. He's got his gates hung and in place. And uh, now it's time to make sure that none of the enemies can come in. And so he starts setting boundaries. He starts having systems of care for the city. And here's what he says. Then I said to them, these are the people who have built the wall and the gates, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened, listen to this, until the sun is hot. Why do you think that is? Because it's really hard at that, I didn't even wait for an answer, because I don't want to hear your answer. Uh, the reason is, is because when the sun is hot, it's hard to attack. You got all your gear, the sun's beating down. People did not attack when the sun was hot, because Basically, your troops would get right up to the gate and go like this, oh boy, this and then they'd just get stabbed in the back, right? That's, that's why. So when the sun is hot, when it's safe, open the gates. So he says, do not open it to the sun's gates. And while they were standing guard, 
when these gates open, is this the right time to open that gate? Is this the right time for me to be involved in certain activities, in certain things? Is this the right time for my mental health to be really engaged in the news? Is this a right time for me personally to be entering into a relationship right after that divorce? Like, is that really the right time? Is this really the right time for me to open these certain gates? Some of us have opened our gates and we've allowed bitterness to attack during the evening, during the cool of the night. We just allow our thoughts to go and we begin with people who've harmed us or wronged us and we allow bitterness. Some of us have opened our gates and just allowed anxiety to come in. Nehemiah is setting an example. When the sun's hot, when it's hard for you to be attacked, that's when you open your gates. And while they're standing guard, it goes on. Let them uh, shut and bolt the doors. Also appoint guards from the inhabitants of Jerusalem, each at his post and each in front of his own house. If we had a men's ministry verse of what, why we're doing what we're doing on Tuesday nights, it would be this. Get your stuff together, bro. That's what it is. Now, I translated that a little loosely. But this is the idea that this, this city is there. Now, let me, let me explain to you the vision of God for the people of Israel and for you and I. The vision of God for his people is that they would be, Israel would be his people and they would be his God. And they would worship him and they would follow his statutes because his laws and his statutes, his rules and regulations and the stuff were just like, well, it just seems like it's all about what you can and can't do. Absolutely, that's what it is because your heavenly father loves you, knows how you were designed and knows what's best for you. And so these people would follow their God. And a lot of that had to do with taking care of the poor and social justice issues. And they were, they were, they were giving their things away. It wasn't consumerism and individualism. And when those people did that, when God's people did that, people from far and wide would look around and go, who is this God you serve? You guys are different than anyone we've ever seen. And the same is true as followers of Jesus. How can you stay calm during all of this? Do you know we're about ready to enter into a recession? And do you know I don't care? Like if you look at all of human history, a recession, so what? Who cares? Right? This is the type of people we're supposed to be. Our relationship with the Lord, we're so close to him, and we get so much peace and joy and, and, and faith and patience and all these things. The people look and go, who is this Jesus? I don't believe what you believe, and I think you're, you're kind of old-fashioned, but good night. I want you to marry my daughter. <laughs> I want you to marry my son. Like, you're just an exceptional person. This is the way it was supposed to be, both for Israel and for us. Now, the reason I explain that is watch the next verse. Now, the city was large and spacious, right? They've got these walls. They've got their gates. But the people in it were few. Remember, they were coming in from uh, Persia had taken over Babylon, and the people were starting to come back just very slowly. Uh, and the houses were not built. So my God put it on my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the common people for registration by families. It's now time to start building healthy community in the walls. 
This is what it's supposed to look like. We set up our walls, we set up our gates, and then it's supposed to be healthy, vibrant, joyful worship. That's what your life is supposed to look like. You say, John, it sounds to me like you're trying to say that this Old Testament Nehemiah in Jerusalem is an example for us individually. That kind of seems like a big jump. Is it, though? Like, Nehemiah's heart was broken when he, saw, when he heard about the walls and the gates being torn down. Is not your heart broken when a loved one has their walls and gates torn down? And they're, they're acting a fool and they're just go, going around doing what they need to do. And you're just like, oh, you, it doesn't need to be that way, right? Isn't the temple in Jerusalem, right? So that they can sacrifice and worship there and... And, and, and be a part of community. Isn't your body, the Bible says, the temple of the Holy Spirit? I would say the example's like spot on, right? And so he, that's what he says. So we're going to jump all around. We're going from chapter 7 to chapter 13, right? We're in a Ferrari biblically right now, okay? We are flying, okay? Uh, and you can read it yourself. There's just a lot of lists of people that I'm not interested in at all. Uh, and it's not a baby book of names. You won't name any of your kids those names. So, but it would be fun if you did. Okay, so chapter uh, 8. Nehemiah said, okay, so they've got everything together. The people are in. Now watch the vision Nehemiah has. He doesn't say, well, now that we've got the temple here and the sacrifice... Oh, now we've just got to sit and everything's just so hard now. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Okay, listen to this. It's very important. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. In other words, we're going to enjoy what it means to be followers of our Yahweh, right? But we're going to make sure no one is excluded. Okay, it's a big part of worship. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy should be something that marked Jerusalem. That marked anyone following our Heavenly Father, anyone following Jesus, there should be this joy. Jesus said this, I came that, you, you may, uh, uh, that your joy may be complete. That's what it looks like. If I don't have joy in my life, I left a gate open. I can almost guarantee you. If, I'm, if I have anxiety in my life, I left the gate open. I haven't been monitoring the gates. I left, a, I left the enemy, the Bible says, a little foothold. Stuck his foot right in the door. I couldn't shut the door. And then that night he came in. Right? So that's, that's the idea. And so the people, all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food. Okay, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to. They're taking care of the poor. They're taking care of those who don't have uh, enough. We call it in the New Testament church, they're exercising their gifts. One's an eye, the Bible says. One's a hand. This is, it's, it's happening right now in Jerusalem. This hasn't happened for hundreds of years. It's amazing what's happening. Why is this possible? It's possible because the walls are built and the gates are shut. That's why your best worship is going to come when your walls are built. Your gates are strong and they're guarded. So jump into verse 16. So the people went out and brought back branches. Okay, so let me just explain what's happening here. They're reading the Bible for the first time. Okay, now again, for them it wasn't called the Bible. Like it, It's just like it is now, just a selection of texts that we believe God has said these are sacred texts, okay? And so they're reading the law of Moses. 
And the law of Moses says, hey, during this time of the year, you're going to have the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, which means you sit in tents. It's just kind of a fun time to build yourself a little tent, like in your backyard or whatever, and you sit in there and you remember that you were once slaves in Egypt and that you were, had to... Um, that you had to travel through the desert. And that was the reminder. And so Ezra, for the first time, is reading this to these people. And they're like, oh, it's about that time. Shouldn't we build tents? And so they just start building tents on their roofs and like in the, all around the city. You know why they're able to do that? Because the walls were built and the gates were hung and they were guarded and they were protected. Their best worship happened when they were behind the walls behind the gates. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves. You know where they got the branches? Outside of the gates. You can open the gates. They went out, and when they came in, guess what they did? They closed the gates. They built themselves temporary shelters. Just imagine these people. It must have been so much fun, all these kids and everything running around. Shelters in their own roofs, in the courtyards, in the courts of the house of God. It's just like you come into church and there's like tents all set up because we're remembering that we used to be slaves, right? In the square by the water gate, water gate again, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. I don't even know who that dude is, but I'll look it up someday. Right? So this is it. Now watch verse 17. The whole company had returned from exile, built temporary shelters, and lived with them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this, and their joy was very great. Do you know why? Because the walls were built, the gates were hung, and they were guarded. And they were safe. And our best worship happens when that happens. If you hadn't heard me before, the best worship happens when the gates in your life are set and guarded. That's your best worship. Now, oftentimes what we try to do is we have it both ways. Come to church on Sunday. I want to worship. I want to be, right? And then we leave, and we leave a gate open. A gate of anxiety. A gate of bitterness. A gate of unfaithfulness. A gate of, of, um, uh, of disrepair. A gate of remembrance of things we should let go by now. And the enemy just Sneaks on in and sneaks on in. And it robs us, the Bible says, of our joy. Your best worship happens then. Okay, we're going to switch to, we're going to jam to uh, uh, chapter 9. Ezra comes and he's got the book of the law of Moses. And it's real sweet. I don't know if I have it in this verse. I don't. But so you got a picture. These people are coming from Babylon. A lot of them don't even speak Hebrew. Because they, they were trained to be good Babylonians. But they know they're Jewish. And so some of them can, are kind of bilingual. Other people, they're just, they're just they're coming together. And Ezra reads the book of the Lord. And then he says, um, and then he makes it make sense. And I'm like, I don't know. Just, I just felt kind of like, hey, that's what I do. Anyway, it was just my, my thing. But he makes it make sense to them. So he didn't just read it. He wanted them to understand what it says and why. They stood where they were, this is Ezra and the other priests, and read from the book of the law uh, of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. You think this service goes long? And spent another quarter in confession. Do you know why they were able to do that? Because the walls were built and the gates were hung and they were guarded. And worshiping the Lord their God. If Nehemiah hadn't built those walls, they would be... 
if you remember going way back, when Nehemiah first shows up, the people were just depressed. Do you, I don't know if you remember. You should read the book. They're depressed. They, they, they don't know what to do. They're, they're all just trying to like protect their little thing. Right? Does that sound familiar in our culture? They're just worried about them. And Nehemiah builds these walls. And now they're worshiping and confessing and listening to the word of God. Um, he, I, I didn't have time to get into it, but Nehemiah sets up this whole system where everybody's responsible for something. They had families whose sole job, and they'd, they'd hand it off month after month, they just had to get the wood for the sacrifices. So the priests never had to worry about wood. There was always wood because everybody, they, ha, they didn't worry about money. They didn't worry about uh, animals being sacrificed. Everyone brought their choicest animals to be sacrificed. And again, just so we're clear, the sacrificial system wasn't just stacking up dead animals, okay? They were used for food. They were used to take care of the poor. They were used for all sorts of things. So it, it wasn't just like, you know, just a whole bunch of dead bodies, right? Uh, and so that's why you would bring your choicest Lamb. You wouldn't bring a blind lamb. You wouldn't take a lamb. This is, we're going to, the reason I'm explaining this is because in a little bit we're going to see what happens. You wouldn't just take your worst lamb and be like, ah, it's going to burn anyway. Who cares? There you go. You go ahead. No, 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 no. The Bible's very clear. You bring your best. And the reason you can bring your best is because you're sheltered and you're safe. And the reason you're sheltered and safe is because your walls have been built up, your gates have been closed, and they're strong and they're guarded. So then they have the celebration of the dedication of the wall. And if you remember the little graph I showed, it was really cool. They started these two choirs together, and they went around each side. And you know how uh, Nehemiah explains their route through the gates. You're going to go from this gate to this gate to this gate to this gate. And they come in, and they meet, and they walk into the temple. Man, wouldn't you love to be there? Here's how it's explained. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy because their walls were built and they were safe behind the gates. Now, remember what I said when I said that the idea was that you would live a life so different and so rich and so full and so flourishing that the other nations around in the Old Testament and then those around you in your culture say, what great God do you serve? Listen to what happens. This is so cool. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Remember Sanballat and Tobiah? Remember the week we talked about Nehemiah was saying, I'm doing a very important work and cannot come down. You should remember it because I made you say it like 27 times. All right? Hopefully you said it that week when your boss gave you more reports to do and you were like, I'm going to punch him in the face. I'm doing a very important work and cannot come down. I don't know what it, how it worked out for you, but mine was a tough week that week. I had to say it many times. Right? And so, so the idea with Sambalot and Tobiah would be like, if I could just kill them or get rid of them or whatever, then, then, then I would have won or would have, then, you know, then it would be over and I want to just get these people out of my way. Do you know how you win? That the sound of your rejoicing is heard far away. We talked about your circle of influence. 
that it's heard to your circle of concern. Can you imagine Sambalat and Tobiah being in a city next to Jerusalem, and all of a sudden they hear, everybody dance now, right? And they're like, what? Okay, Jerusalem just won. They just won, and they didn't have to pick up a sword. They didn't have to battle. They didn't have to do anything. All they had to do was rebuild their walls and their gates, and the sound of rejoicing could be heard far away. Jerusalem gets a W. Sambalak gets an L. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because, unfortunately, it doesn't end. This would be the greatest way to end Nehemiah. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be great? You close up Nehemiah. You're like, man, that was a great, I just read a great book. It's ne- Nehemiah is awesome. How did it end? Oh, you just have to read the ending. That's not how it ends. There's a chapter 13. Nehemiah goes back to King Artaxerxes like he said he was going to. So Nehemiah was there for 12 years. We don't know how long he was gone, but he kind of did some business with Artaxerxes and then asked, can I go back and check on them? So here's how great Old Testament scholars are. He came back between 2 and 15 years. Okay, why don't you just say you don't know, okay? But it was at least two years, so we'll leave it at two years. He's gone for two years, well, five years, whatever you want to do, right? And he comes back, and he didn't take care of the gates. All of a sudden, they're leaving the gates open. You know why? Because they think it's, it's benefiting them. There's lots of trade happening now. Because God has blessed them. And now they have this religious institution. And now it's really cool. We do the sacrifices on Saturday. And then we go and we trade on Sunday. Blah, 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 blah. We do all this kind of stuff. And Nehemiah comes back and he is not happy. Okay? As a matter of fact, it's very funny the way the different versions of the Bible are translated. The best translation is Nehemiah comes back and says, if you keep these gates open, I'm going to lay hands on you. And he doesn't mean to pray. <laughs> like, when I first read it, I literally read it. I'm not kidding. Like, hey, when I come back, I'm going to throw hands. That's how I read it. And I'm like, oh, no, lay hands, right? He's going to fight them. This is how serious it is. When you start playing around with your gates and letting them fly open and just kind of like, oh, I'm going to add my temple and my religiosity to just the stuff I'm doing throughout the day. Nehemiah 13, 18. He says to them, didn't your ancestors do the same things? Can't you look around and see this pattern that has been going on forever? So that your God brought all this calamity on us and on this city? In other words, Nehemiah's like, Bro, come on. We just got this done. And now you're just like going back to the way you were before. Now you're stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. You get like one rule. Keep the Sabbath. It's like even in the Ten Commandments. Like just do that. Watch what he does to solve the problem. When evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath... I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. Knowing when to open your gates and close your gates is vital to vibrant worship in your life. Here's what he did. I stationed some 
of my own men. Now, this is kind of cool. I, I'm using my imagination here, which I can't help. My brain is all over the place, typically. But remember, he just came from King Artaxerxes, right? He was there for a couple years. I can imagine what these men looked like, okay? They weren't just like wimpy men. They, they, he came from the king, okay? So these men that came with Nehemiah to make sure he has safe travels, the, these dudes, yeah, so he stationed some of his own men. Like he's taking this seriously at the gates. And then he didn't just leave it with his own men. Then I commanded the Levites to purify themselves and to go guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. Say, John, what does all this have to do with uh, good, fr- I mean, uh, the triumphal entry. Matthew 21, verse 5. Michelle and Hope read this this morning. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you. These gates and these walls, these don't just house our heart and our, our, our schedules and all that. <laughs> This is controlled by the king, Jesus, who's gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Do you know what gate Jesus entered? He entered the east gate. And right now in Jerusalem, it's called the golden gate. And it has two big doors on it. And those doors have names. One is repentance and one is mercy. And Jesus enters those gates. And when Jesus shows up at a gate, you open it. (laughs) You don't even question. Because where Jesus is, there's no enemy that can come in. And so the crowds, as we read in verse 9, the crowds went ahead of him and they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem, just like Nehemiah. And he looks around the temple and he goes, nah, no, no, no. You can't have it both ways. You can't have vibrant worship and open gates to allow commerce and anything else and all your anxieties and all your bitterness. You can't go. So here's what he did. First thing Jesus does in the triumphal entry, because we remember the palm fronds. We remember the jackets that are being laid down. But oftentimes we forget that Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. And then what he does is he takes the temple and the idea of the temple and he restores it to what it's supposed to be. Sacrifice. Prayer. Taking care of the marginalized. The blind and lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Restoration. That's what our lives are supposed to look like. The triumphal entry was what, Je- what happens in our lives when we, when we open the gates and we allow Jesus in and we say, fix what needs to be fixed. Address what needs to be addressed. Because that's when the best worship happens. And then it gets addressed. And we fix our walls and we close our gates. But it's going to come with opposition. When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna in the highest, they were 
indignant because they were empowered. As the worship band returns back up, I'm going to show you these gates again just because it's kind of fun for those of you who are into history and all this kind of stuff. This is the east gate here, and this is the altar in the temple. So uh, again, like I said, now now it's called uh, the Golden Gate in in um, uh, in Jerusalem, and the East Gate is actually covered in r- rubble. They they found it, but it's uh, they had to rebuild it because the temple was destroyed, as Jesus predicted. Okay, uh, it's right across from the Mount of Olives where Jesus would go and pray. I mean, it's just so the triumphal entry is so amazing because. He's asking, maybe even demanding in your life that you give him access. That you say, Jose, I can't do this anymore. I can't cover all my gates. I can't, my t- worship looks like nothing. I can't bear it. I don't feel you. I don't, I can't see you. I can't be in the word. And he says, just open the gates. Here's how he says it in Revelation. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. Can you see what he wants for you? Can you see the relationship that he wants with you? It's not a relationship of works and now I can't do this and I can't do that or I have to do this and I have to do that. These are walls and gates that are set up to protect you. We're going to Tanner's going to play another song, and there's things here, pillows here for whatever, if you want to come and kneel. And maybe during this time, you want to come before the Lord, and there's a gate you need to shut. It's allowing bitterness in. It's allowing anxiety in. It's allowing all sorts of stuff that you shouldn't have. Maybe it's a relationship, and you go, you know what? I I let this relationship start. This relationship needs to end right now. Maybe it's a relationship you ended, and Jesus would have you start that relationship up again. Maybe it starts with just, I'm sorry. Maybe it starts with, I forgive you. So you might want to do that here at the altar. Uh, There'll be people praying at the cross. Maybe there's something for you that you feel overwhelmed by or you feel like uh, you just want special prayer for. They will pray for you, whatever that is. You just go up and say, yeah. And you can just be so, you don't have to, it's not a confessional. (laughs) You can just go up and just say, I, there's a relationship I just need prayer for. That's it. They'll pray for it. They'll pray for it. And then uh, I'll come back up after we're all done. We pray and uh, we'll bless you. And then uh, we'll be taking uh, communion together on Friday night at the Good Friday service. And if you guys uh, get a chance to make it to that, it is such a sweet time of reflection and to take a deep breath. Uh, we have candles and just going to be playing music and have readings. Uh, it's the same as we did last year, just so it's just, it's an hour long, and it just gives a good time of space. So I just wanted to invite you to that as well. Lord Jesus, we open the gate for you. Have your way. Inspect everything, every area of our life. Come in and, 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 and turn over tables you need to turn over. Heal what you need to heal. Say what you need to say. And then help us close them back up. Help us repair them. Help us rehang them. Help us just get to a place so that our best worship happens.
because we're safe behind your word. We're safe behind the guidance of your Holy Spirit. We're safe in community with each other. Wisdom and